Welcome to Spiritual Changemakers, the podcast that guides you through tough times with practical tools and inspiring stories. I'm Andrea Thomas, your host and the Sacred Transitions Coach. Join us as we hear from spiritual changemakers who have connected with their higher power and overcame adversity. Whether you are navigating a difficult transition or seeking to deepen your spiritual practice, our podcast provides guidance to help you find magic in the change. Come on this journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and transformation with us and unlock your potential to become your best self. I'm excited to have you here and to have another amazing episode on spiritual change makers. And today, what is the biggest transition, Gabby, that you want to talk about that you've been through and share with people the tools that you actually have been utilizing to bring yourself up to make that challenging time the best time in your life? The biggest transition. I th- I think for me, a lot of the biggest transitions that have come in my life have been after dramatic or traumatic experiences. For me personally, it's like deaths. Deaths in the family will often trigger like enormous moments for growth. So I guess that would probably be like the biggest thing. I've had a, a couple of people that I love dearly that were very close to me pass away, die. And I had to learn a lot. I had to teach myself a lot and learn a lot from the world around me in order to keep going in their absence. Yes. And which one was the most traumatic for you? So my best friend, Michael Anthony Gaines, shouts out. If any of you guys follow me, you know, I have some tattoos for these homies. The very first tattoo I ever got was MAG, was my friend's initials. And he asphyxiated in his sleep when we were 16 years old and that was a lot it was a lot to deal with as a junior in high school and yeah so that was probably the single most like impactful life-changing for me and it was such a fragile age at 16 years old do you even have the tools to cope with such a situation what has happened for you during that time yeah, thanks for asking. I did not have the tools. I absolutely did not have the tools. It got really weird for me because I was going to school and everybody just kept asking me, like, are you okay? That's all anybody would say to me, like in between classes, like in classes, like at lunch, people would just kept coming up to me being like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And like, God bless them, you know, obviously they were really just genuinely trying to check up on me. But it put me in this fucked up headspace around like, what if I'm not okay? Like, is it okay for me to not be okay? And will I still be accepted? And will people like still want to be around me? Like, can I still have other friends as, you know, losing this? And I didn't have the tools. I turned to drugs. I turned to alcohol. I turned to sex instead of, of, you know, like the moniker for us as healers, it's like, feel it to heal it, right? Let it be to let it go. I was not at that place. I was not capable of doing that at the time. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the wisdom or insight or whatever you want to call it as a 16 year old boy. So. Yes. And 
now when you look back, I, like you were 16, you probably needed the most emotional support at that time, you know, emotional from not just family and friends, but probably professional support. Was that even offered to you to get professional help? Yeah, you know, what's crazy is I did start seeing, I very quickly went through the rungs of, I saw a therapist. We probably only had one session before they upgraded me, sent me up to a psychologist. And then I only had like one or two sessions there before they sent me to a psychiatrist who immediately started prescribing me clonopins, which is, if you're not familiar with like benzodiazepine, it's like Xanax. Yeah. So immediately trying to pack the one with some pills. And I know for me, after my partner transitioned, I had the tools and I had the support and I had the people, I had the awareness, which helped me make that time a very potent and powerful time in my life because I was able to take all the pain and transform it into lesson, into wisdom, into growth. And this is what I want to help people with when they are going through these major transitions, not to wait a year or two years or, you know, a few months until they are able to rip up the benefits of such a huge transition, but to actually bring in the awareness and the tools to become their best selves while they're undergoing, while they're in the storm, as we call it. Yeah. And you did too. Like it was incredibly inspiring to watch you mourn and grieve and remember, but also begin to get proactive about it and say like, you know, you took responsibility for your own emotions during that time. And I just remember like, this is funny that we're having this conversation right now, but I remember being like, damn, what if I had been able to do that in this instance when Mike died, when my, you know, I've had other people pass and they all came up as I watched you handle it with such grace. Yes. But, you know, sometimes for me, I know everything I have learned, like being on my personal growth since 2017, learning all the coaching tools and everything. I felt like all those prepared me for that very moment to be able to show up as my best self. And I know while I was going through that, I was thinking, wow, so many people don't know about these tools. So many people don't have these tools and the awareness and the fact to know that you can actually choose who you are being during those times. And while it is very hard because it's painful and a lot of triggers are coming up, no matter what, I think it's so much a combination of being gentle with yourself, loving yourself, but also be like, okay, what is it that I can do? And I would love to hear now when you look back at your previous experience, what would you say to the old Kevin and what is the advice, the tools that you would provide to that 16 years old to help him go through that period of time without abusing, you know, any substances or anything. Yeah, I would say something to the effect of it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to take a break. Like that was the thing too, is I was expected to just keep going with my life as normal. I still had to go to tennis practice. I still had to go, you know, practice with the drama team for the plays coming up. I still had to do all of these things that, 
know, I was having an existential crisis. I was like, we yeah. build and build and build as these high school kids, these Blue Ribbon High School kids in Walnut Creek, California, shouts out. And it can all be taken away so quickly. And if it can all be removed so quickly, it's like, how important is it really? And so I'm like 16 years old coming to grips with like, you know, what if this is all a simulation? What if mm -hmm. things are real? What if like things aren't as important as people make them seem? While everybody else in my life is still continuing to be like, you got to do this. Like you got to keep going. We got college applications coming up and all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So to answer your question, I would to breathe with my mm -hmm. friend. Allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and know that it's okay to feel it. Yeah, that it's okay to feel the pain. So you said it's okay not to be okay and taking a break, like pausing some things. And I already like hear some people that are going to say, yeah, but I cannot afford to take them. Mm. You know, people have jobs, families, whatever, life. So I already hear people that I don't have the luxury to take a break. So what would you say to those people that they're going to come up with the reality. You know, this is a tricky one because like I have clients, for example, I always reference this one woman because she's the poster child of this. She is a single mom with seven children doing God's work. Right. And so she is the opposite of like, you know, she understands that she creates the rules in her own reality. She takes responsibility for everything. She is not ever playing the victim role. She's not ever feeling sorry for herself. And yet in the three-dimensional reality, she has these responsibilities. She truly does not have the luxury of taking a break from these kind of things. So all of that is to say that I do, though I don't personally understand what that's like, I do understand that certain people have certain situations where they truly cannot stop or slow down from them. With that said, the concept is the same. If you are not taking the time to prioritize your own energy, to focus on your own healing, to allow yourself to experience the things that you need to experience and process the emotions that are coming up, then you're going to remain stuck in the same cycles. And if you're stuck in these same cycles, you're not doing anybody any favors. You're not doing your children any favors. You're not doing your spouse any favors. You're not doing your dogs, cats, cousins, and nephews any favors by keeping yourself stuck and stagnant like this. So for you sensitive empath type people going to the club, I'm here, I'm right here with you. We got to understand that if it's not for our highest good, it's not for the highest good, right? And so if we know, if we get that intuitive feel, I just need to slow this down. I just need to take a break. I need to take a walk. I need to take a breath. I need to take a bath, like whatever it is. When you get that feel and you know, this is what's best for me right now, you just have to trust and reassure yourself that if it's best for you, it's also best for everybody else in the long run because of the energy that you're going to be able to broadcast from this healthier place. Yeah, so beautiful. And you know, with the, taking a break and taking the time. It also takes me to a place of, you don't need to do this for hours a day. It's enough to just take a few minutes that are specifically dedicated towards yourself, that are intentional. 
you know, and I think the intention behind it and allowing yourself to be like, okay, right now I am just going to allow myself, for example, to feel the grief. I'm going to allow myself to feel the pain. I'm going to allow myself to feel the anger. Whatever are those feelings that are coming up and that you want to come to the surface. So they are felt and transmuted. So they don't stay stuck within your body. It's so important for your healing process and to don't create diseases within the body because stuck energy creates disease within the body. And it's so interesting how a few days ago I was talking with one of my relatives and she's going right now through cancer. Mm. And I told her, like, I don't feel sorry for you. It's an interesting response. Probably not what she was expecting. No, but she really loved it because she's like, wow, I'm really tired of everyone saying like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And when we do that to people that are going through challenging times, it's like you see them as their victim. You don't see them in their power. For me, because I am such a big believer that whatever challenge comes our way is for our highest good. And the same I see it for other people. I know this is happening for you. So this is for your growth, for it might be for your human self. It might be for your soul. It might be for both. And we don't know. We just don't know the outcome and releasing that and doing the best you can in this moment. It's what we can do every single day. And for her, it was so much the disconnection. And she told me, Andrea, all these years, I barely was, I was so busy all the time focusing on everyone around me, on my family, like the majority of moms do, on my family, on my children working very hard from morning to night that sometimes I was so tired that I could barely take a shower. Like I couldn't even get myself to take a shower. And she's like, and my body told me I had symptoms. My body told me, but I didn't listen. I didn't listen because I was too busy. So constantly prioritizing everything else but yourself is going to come a point when your body is going to be like, okay, you are just using me but you are not putting any fuel into it. So how do you expect me to keep going? And then it has to happen something like dramatic in order for people to stop. Like cancer, yeah. We wait until the cancer hits. Exactly. I think that you described it so well too about like the energy has to go somewhere. If you have this stress, if you have this pain, if you have these unprocessed emotions circulating in your body, they'll get stuck in the same way that like sand will get stuck in the bottom of a jar if you just leave it there and then it becomes cancer it becomes brain aneurysms yeah. it becomes whatever it needs to become to like get your fucking attention and be like dog we need to do something about this exactly so it's super important guys for you to take the time to take the space even if it's just a few minutes a day to connect with yourself to connect with your body And also cancer from my research, from my experience with my partner, it's also that you are not loving yourself. You are Mm. not loving your body. So it's also part of that. And when I was talking about that with my cousins, she's like, oh yeah, I don't even know what self-love is. I never even told myself that I love myself. And I gave her a mirror exercise to start doing it. She's like, I couldn't pass through just looking into my eyes. Like that's how deep these things are. And then we expect to just move forward like nothing happened. It's not possible. 
it's ridiculous the degree to which we are not taught these most basic and fundamental skills. It's like, why are we learning arithmetic before we learn self-love? Why are we learning how to read before we learn how to breathe? Right? Like who designed this curriculum to keep us in this space where we're just like so concerned with externals and like materialism that we're not even getting in touch with ourselves. And then we wonder like, oh, why is my life so out of control? Why am I so depressed? Why is it so hard for me to get a grip or change my patterns? Like nobody ever taught us how to do any of this shit. No, no. And I'm not saying right now, whoever is listening to this podcast, I'm not saying that you have to be in the place right now where you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm not there yet. It's so important again to come with acceptance towards no matter where you're at in your journey. And then you're like, okay, now I'm aware. What is the one thing I've been doing right now in this very moment to change that? How can I become more connected with my body, with myself, with my life? And maybe you can share a tool from your experience on how people can do that. I was hoping you would ask that. <laughs> I always love to, you know, because we talk and talk and talk about the metaphysical and the conceptual and it has my heart, right? I live in the woo. But at the same time, it's a lot easier to implement on stuff when it, we give them, you know, mm -hmm. action steps. So the number one meditation that I've always loved to work, work with that I think is so simple and so powerful, it's called Isha Kriya. And Kriya just means basically like purpose and Isha is like the unity, the community, the coming together. Rough translation is oneness, right? Yeah. And so the way that you do this meditation is you sit on the floor and you turn off your phone. Don't do this now because you won't be able to see me anymore. <laughs> but you sit on the floor and you turn off your phone and you take a couple of breaths and you start with every inhalation. You think to yourself, you become aware of the reality reality with every inhalation we remind ourselves i am not the body and with every exhalation we remind ourselves i am not the mind and so we're just in this cycle i'm not the body i am not the mind i'm not the body i am not the mind i'm not the body i am not the mind and in this cycle we start to let go of the smaller things we start to realize that these things that constantly occupy our minds like what if this person doesn't text me back or when am I gonna meet up with so-and-so or do this kind of thing or even the more physical things like when's my next paycheck coming in or what am I gonna have mm -hmm. for lunch we start to disconnect from these and we start to yeah. realize that even beyond this body and these thought patterns we are mm -hmm. consciousness right like we are the space between we are the observer, we are the awareness, we are the attention, we are the focus, however you want to describe it. And I think that this meditation is just such a simple and effective way to come into that. And in the context of what we're currently talking about around processing emotions, when you remind yourself that you're not the body and you're not the mind, you're also implicitly reminding yourself that you are not the emotions. You are not the rage and the sadness and the depression and the anxiety. These are emotions which is like energy in motion these are things that are moving through your body which you are also not right they're moving through your vessel and it is your responsibility as the awareness to 
look at them, acknowledge them, get curious about, allow yourself to feel them, give yourself permission to experience the things that you didn't previously give yourself permission to experience, and then let them the fuck go. And I always like yeah. to remind people that letting things go, is, it doesn't look like, like fuck in javelin practice at the Olympics, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to let this go. Like, hold up. Tuck it as far as I can. Like letting go is letting it go. An easier way to describe it would be, as John Lennon said, letting it be, right? Mm -hmm. Just let it be. You don't have to throw this shit away. You don't have to ball it up and try to flush it down the toilet. Like just leave it. It will dissolve on its own. And I know that's crazy. Yes. And I know a lot of the time after, you know, deaths or breakups or whatever it is that you're going through, it's like, fuck. Fuck you, Kevin. You don't know. This isn't going to dissolve on its own. It's not just going to go away. But I promise you, if you give it a shot and try it out, you will be surprised at how quickly things heal and how quickly emotions process themselves and dissipate from your body if you simply bring your awareness to them without getting attached. Yeah. So the ultimate goal is really to bring awareness, to realize that you are pure consciousness you are awareness and that's the ultimate goal when we are able to detach to detach of identifying constantly ourselves with our body with our mind and being like oh my god this is who i am and realizing that you are a soul like that's who you are a soul who came on this earth to experience all the humanly things and that's part of going through the ups and downs is going to part of like going through the ebb and flow to the duality of things. And that means, yes, you're going to experience pain, you're going to experience grief, you're going to experience joy and happiness. And the only way to experience all of it, it's by having the pain, by having the happiness. It's not one or the other, because life would be really boring if we would only experience happiness or joy, because we wouldn't know to appreciate them, isn't it? And I know for me, when I started on this journey of personal development, I was very numb. Like I couldn't feel anything. Yes. And that was like such a huge process to get myself into the space of like even just feeling the pain. It was huge. And the way I got myself to do that, it's first not being afraid. Mm. I wasn't afraid anymore of feeling the pain. How do you kick the fear? I think I made the decision of really thinking, do I want to continue like my life this way where I'm numb and I don't feel anything? And when I say nothing, meaning neither the pain or the happiness, neither the joy, because you don't choose when you are numb. It's not like, oh, I'm choosing not to feel the pain, you know, but I'm going to feel the joy and the happiness. No, it's like, you don't feel anything. So I'm like, do I want to continue living this way where I'm just not pretty much not able to experience life? Because that's how it is with you are now. No matter what's going on, I remember like looking constantly to like bring adrenaline in my life because I'm like, that's the only time when I was like, when I would jump with a parachute, you know, when I would like do these super extreme things, when I would barely feel anything. And I'm like, wow, am I just like, the type of person that's not afraid of anything or what's going on here? What am I? Or is this a trauma response? Yeah. So I can say it can actually start with a decision. 
it can be that simple that it starts with a decision, guys. And it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard, but just because it, it can be simple. So it's for me, it started with the decision that I just don't want to live this way anymore. And I'm willing and ready to put the work in. And then I started going inwards. I started going inwards and asking myself, why am I constantly looking for all these external things? Like I was telling myself, when I'm going to move to that place, I'm going to be happy. When I'm going to have that job, I'm going to be happy. When I'm going to make that amount of money, that's when I'm going to be happy. And the more I was achieving all of those things, nothing would change. Like I would feel exactly the same. So that's when I started realizing, I'm like, I don't think it has anything to do with the external world. It actually has to do with my internal world from which I was so disconnected. <laughs> yes, like if someone would have asked me like a few years ago, Andrea, what are your, your needs? What are your values? Like, who are you? I would have had no clue how to answer those questions because I never did a self-exploration with myself to get to know myself. We are so torn on going to get to know people around us, especially our partners, our lovers, and so on. But when it's about getting to know ourselves, we are like, why would I do that? Why would I take that time? When in fact, it's the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, what do I need? Carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, hydrogen. <laughs> I, think that, I think that'll about do it for me. I'm a pretty simple guy. Yeah. So right now, for those that are listening, ask yourself in this very moment, what is it that you need right now? And it can be, oh my gosh, I want to eat. I need a nap. Maybe I want to meditate. I want to journal. Like whatever it is. So the tools down, just to recap it a little bit for people, when they're going through these big shifts and maybe going through a loss, you said taking a break, yes, that it's okay not to be okay. Then meditation, also it's huge to connect with yourself, to connect with your feelings and bringing that awareness to the fact that you're not your body, you're not your mind, you're not your emotions. And what would be another, another tool that you would give people right now to be like, this is definitely going to help you show up as your best self while you are going through challenging times. Yeah. So number one being like letting yourself feel it, reminding yourself that it's okay to not feel okay in every single moment, go put some MCR on and vibe out. Number two being the meditations for the love of God meditate. There's a reason that people have been doing this for 8,000, 10,000, 20,000 years. It's because it works. Third one. So I got a two-part answer because they're both coming up right now and I can't even decide which one is more important. Hydration and movement. There's nothing that will shut you down more than not drinking water, right? I just talked about, oh, we're carbon and hydrogen and nitrogen and oxygen. We're water, bro. We're like 70 plus percent water. Like we are made of water, living, breathing, moving water. And if we don't replenish that water in our bodies, we're fucked. It doesn't matter how positive your mindset is. It doesn't matter how much you're doing everything else, right? If you're not drinking water, mm -hmm. you're going to feel horrible. And if you compound that with things actually going on in your life that are going to make you feel poorly, you're going to spiral. Yes. So definitely yes. hydrate. And then the other one is movement. 
So this doesn't have to be any sort of particular exercise. You don't have to hit the gym if you don't want to. You don't have to lift weights if you don't want to. You don't have to do asana. You don't have to practice yoga if you don't want to. It can be as simple as taking a walk, but you need to move your body because in the exact same sense, like we are not plants. We don't have roots. We don't absorb through the soil. We get energy from water and food and sunlight and movement. So definitely move your body. Go for a walk. Go for a run. Do some jumping jacks. Dance. Dance. Dancing yeah. is, is that, super, that super good, right? Like get those, <laughs> get those hips and shoulder girdle involved. And just like in the same thing that we've been talking about around, it will become disease. Is if you let this energy get stagnant in your body, like the moment that you jive it out, shake it out, yeah. you can start to dissipate it. So mm-hmm. those would be two big ones for sure. Yeah, and no, I'm so glad you brought us up because I remember after my partner transition, I started, I think after a few weeks, I started exercising again because exercising has been a big part of my life in the last few years. And I just remember, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It was so hard to get myself to do anything during that time. But I'm like, I know I want to do it because I want to lead myself. I want to help myself. So this is a way that I am going to help myself in this process. And I remember every single time afterwards, I was like, oh my God, this feels so good because it creates all those good feelings within your brain, in your body. And we are not plants. As you, as you said, movement is such an important part of our well-being overall. And don't do it for the fact that, oh, I just want to look sexy and cool and good, you know? Yeah, that's a benefit of it. But the most important thing is that it's going to nourishing your body. It's a way to create that relationship with your body, especially when you do it with that purpose behind it, that I'm nourishing my body right now and I'm, I'm creating a beautiful relationship by taking care of it. I want to hear about the spirituality practice that you have right now and when is it that you got in touch with the spirituality and how that has helped you throughout your challenging times in your life? Oh my God, how much, how much time you got, Andrea? <laughs> no, I, I so, some of you guys have seen my story, I started my spiritual journey pretty young. When I was eight years old, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and she started doing chemo and stuff. And she was concerned that she might die and I would be left with my father, who is a wonderful man, love him to death, he's one of my best friends, but he's very stoic. He's not spiritual at all. He's very much like, literal Chinese, you know, second generation Chinese man. And my mother, who's a witch, a saint and a witch, was like, we can't, we can't leave Kevin with this man if I am going to be off. And so she, at a pretty early age, I was, I was eight years old. She had me start reading, you know, new age spiritual texts, such as Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Alan Watts, like this kind of stuff. And so I got like really into like spirituality and philosophy at like a really young age, which was extremely ostracizing for me because I couldn't talk to people about this kind of stuff. I was in fifth grade wanting to have these deep discussions about existentialism and metaphysics. And the kids in my class were like, 
did you get the new Nikes or what, dude? Like, what the fuck are you, why are you talking to us like this, you weirdo? And then I'm just kind of busted up a little bit. Here's the Kevin Chen biography. I, I started smoking weed when I was like 11 because I was always reaching for something beyond this realm. And then I started doing more like hallucinogenics, like mushrooms, LSD, such. When I was like 15, 16, we did a bunch of DMT for a while. And that whole journey culminated for me, at least for this particular chapter, in a couple ayahuasca ceremonies. And yeah. so when I did the ayahuasca, that was really the point where it went from Kevin experimenting with the universe, reality, whatever, <laughs> into truly becoming one with the experience of life, oh. truly feeling on a visceral level the same way that I can feel my fingers right now, every atom in, in the entire universe, every, every raindrop from every cloud, from every storm across this planet and every other planet throughout all of time, just felt, right? And so then after that point, you kind of just with it, right? Like that experience never really goes away. And so to bring it all the way back and answer your question, like that's pretty much where I'm at in terms of spirituality is just a deep, deep knowingness that it's all connected and it's all one, that it's intrinsically, inherently, and desperately interwoven the fabric of our reality. And so it's like, as we were talking about earlier, like anything that's not for my highest good is not for your highest good is not for this caterpillar in Taiwan's highest good, right? Like it all vibes together. And so that's my, you know, spiritual cornerstone. So every practice that I have is just a way to do, remind myself and tap back into that understanding that it's all one. The connection, the connection. Yes. And I so love that because for me, for example, discovering spirituality back in 2017, after I have been disconnected from anything higher, bigger than myself, because I grew up Catholic in Romania and having that imprint on myself where I was feeling so much shame and guilt and growing up with that, that just being a human, it's wrong. That's how I felt growing up Catholic in Romania. Sinner. <laughs> when, a sinner, exactly. No, when I finally discovered spirituality and I started meditating and I was like, wow, I can actually feel so much more connected, not only with myself, but with everyone around me. I was like mind blown, like, why is not everyone doing this? <laughs> and I also want to tell people like around spirituality, you know, like for me, for example, I had a hard time calling it God for a long time because I was associating the name God, that energy behind the name God with the church. And now after I have healed a lot of my wounds around the church, I'm like, it's all the same. It doesn't matter how you call it. It doesn't matter if you call it God, universe, angels, whatever it is. It's just a matter of really finding what is the word that you resonate with. What are the beliefs behind it that you resonate with that help you be better, that help you show up better in this world and connect with yourself. And with others at a deeper level, I feel like that's what it's about at the end of the day. What else could it 
dans le débat. <laughs> It's all about love, like killing. And this is something I discovered with my partner, you know, um, especially towards his last week of being here with us. I really realized what we all want at the end of the day. It's to give and receive love. Like that's our ultimate purpose here on earth. And when we remind ourselves and we release the pressure of like, oh my God, my purpose has to be this huge thing and this is my responsibility of blah blah when you come within every action you take it's like oh i just want to give and receive love like just having that flow that exchange and making it about that oh my god i think that's when life it's it's truly magical yeah that's a wonderful description of god of the universe of again whatever you want to call it And it's fucking buck wild too, the way that when you come from that place, when you understand that everything's energy, when you understand that it's all connected, when you understand that it's all love, paradoxically, that's when all your shit starts to show up, right? If you want the money, if you want the relationship, <laughs> if you want the fast car, if you want the cool shoes, like focusing on those things is not going to get you there anywhere near as fast as just focusing on love, yeah. being love, giving love, receiving love, accepting love, broadcasting love attracting love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The more that you can be in tune with this, the quicker you're going to accomplish your goals, regardless of what they are. If you guys, I know a couple of people in here have seen me talk before. I'm all about efficiency at the end of the day. Like I'm a very positive, optimistic person, but it's because it gets shit done. Like if I got results from being depressed and treating everybody like an asshole, then like I might do that. But the truth is that I get the best results from staying in the vibration of love and gratitude and treating people the best that I possibly can. Yes. And taking action. As you said, you get shit done. And that means you're not just going to wait and be like, oh, I'm all love. Because so many people, yes, operate from there, but they are too high here and they're not grounded. And this is what I've seen a lot in my travels as well, in the spiritual places that I'm traveling right now that... People want to exist on this earth without being part of it, without actually grounding mm -hmm. themselves so many. So it's really so important to, to blend the two, to bring in the, yes, I am spiritual, I am high, I am connected, but I'm also grounded and I'm taking action. I'm co-creating with the universe and I'm not just waiting to receive, but I'm also giving because this is how we go through life, through the flow of life. This is how the dance comes, giving and receiving. Yeah, you got to be involved in the process. Yeah. And I think that we often think too much about making it happen with our hands, mm. you know, taking the action, fighting for it, forcing it, anything like that. But there is a level of involvement. You can't just, you know, the classical ADM is like, oh, you can't just sit on the couch and meditate it into existence. I think you probably could. But what you need to do realistically is feel it, like really feel into it and believe in it into a level where you are involved in, as you said, the co-creation. You are an active participant in this reality being birthed rather than a third party bystander, right? Yes. And that's the difference between like daydreaming and like true prayer, right? Oh. Like scientific prayer, visualization to the degree where you expect the thing that you're focused on 
to come into existence. When you take action and I'm learning like this whole new process about manifesting from an also neurological standpoint. And when you take action, you pretty much just tell the universe, I am worthy of what, mm. what I want to manifest, what I want to receive. I am worthy. And this is how you show the universe. It's by taking action, guys. So that's a very important point, but it's important from what energy are you taking action? Do you take action from the energy? I really need this. I want this. And if I don't have this, I'm not good enough. Or you take the action from, oh no, I'm good enough and I'm worthy to have all these desires accomplished. And because of that, I'm doing this. Yeah, Sathya, so I, I, I disagree slightly. What if it's that we are inherently worthy, we're good enough because we are. Yeah. We're deserving by mm -hmm. default. We're worthy just because. And taking action, instead of saying to the universe, I am worthy, I am good enough. It's saying I'm ready. It's saying I'm committed. Mm -hmm. It's saying I'm dedicated to it and like, I'll take it now, right? It's like, yes. it really is the process of receiving. It's not proving something to God or love or the yeah. that you're good enough mm -hmm. for. It's like mm -hmm. pressing the button on the elevator. Like, like okay, let's go. <laughs> yes, and I'm not saying uh, I agree and disagree with you as well. <laughs> But it's also, it's not even telling the universe that I'm worthy. It's telling yourself and your subconscious mind because we operate from our subconscious mind and we take action and we do things based on what we believe we are deserving of. So it's not proving yourself to the universe or anyone else, but it's actually deprogramming yourself and your subconscious mind. Because yes, when we come on this earth, we are worthy that's who we are whole and worthy but then as we move along in the world that we get all these limiting beliefs from the society from friends family and so on that make us feel and we create this belief about ourselves oh i can only have that if i am that way or if i do that yeah. we create this condition that limit us so then it's about our subconscious mind that we actually not even prove, but we show differently than we have shown until that point in our life. And we stop settling. What if the subconscious mind is another way to describe the universe or God or love? It can be. It can be. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. What is your view on that? So my personal view is what we refer to as the subconscious mind is your heart, right? So we have like our mind, which is like our conscious thinking mechanism. It's really good for problem solving. It's really good for, you know, decision making. Sometimes it's not so good for decision making, but that's what we tend to use it for. But its main job is to impress upon the subconscious mind, aka the heart, aka the true manifesting machine in our bodies, what it is is that we choose, right? And so it's like decision maker, generator, right? It's like the foreman, the entire workforce. It's like the captain of the ship and the whole crew. And so, yeah, my personal understanding or perspective on the whole thing is that all we have to do with our brain 
is impress upon our heart or subconscious mind what it is that we want to see come into fruition. And then it happens automatically. It happens as automatically as the heart beats, as automatically as the lungs breathe, right? All we can really do is get in the way of it by trying so hard, forcing it, putting all this effort in and like micromanaging our existence. But when we really are able to just like focus on what it is that we want and embody the feeling of our desire already fulfilled, this shit happens automatically. And that's something I have been experiencing myself. I say the past few months, but so much more the past few weeks where I literally wrote down, I have a manifestation list with things based on what I'm doing, where I'm moving and so on. And I literally write down what I want. And within a day or two, it comes into existence and it comes so fast that I, I had a point where I looked like, oh my God, I have to specify maybe sometimes not yet. Mm. Because I know I, I wrote some things on my list and it came within a few days. I'm like, oh my God, I was actually not ready for this. You know, so it's so important even to get clear. It's like, do you really want that right now? Are you really ready for it? Because sometimes we want it, but we don't think it through. What actually that encounter is? How am I going to be when I receive that? And that happened to me. I'm like, it was way too fast. I'm not ready for it. And I know some friends of mine wanted a new job and she's like, and I got it. But then she was like, but I don't know why I cannot do it or I'm not yet. And I'm like, you see, it's like we, we put these desires to the universe, we receive them, and then we are like, oh, it's actually not yet. Yeah, I mean, I've always been impressed by your ability, like the deafness and swiftness in your ability to manifest stuff, because I've seen it happen like instantly for you, and I'm just like, this go, Andrea. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and it comes so much, especially right now, from... The place that if I started my traveling, now so many people are asking me, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you have the money? How do you make it happen? How do you work? How do you do it all? Um, guys, it's so much about trust. Trust that I will figure it out myself, my human self, and then my soul. It's like, and I will be taken care of by the universe, by my guide, and everything else because... I've always been taken care of, always throughout my whole life. So why I wouldn't be moving forward? Why would it be different moving forward? So it's like having that full trust and surrender that I know it's happening for me and also operating from a place of love. Everything I do is with love for myself and for others, but it does start with self. So. This is something for everyone that's listening. How is your relationship with yourself right now? Can you look into the mirror and tell yourself, I fucking love you. I freaking love you. To be your best friend, your best lover in this moment, what is your relationship? Because if you are not your best friend and your best lover, and you're just constantly not outside to be fulfilled on the external from your partner, from your friends and so on, you're going to feel empty. No matter what, then you're going to keep searching. I'm in a season of disclaimers. I'm in a season where I've been doing this for long enough that I don't see people as haters anymore. I just understand that certain people are at certain places. And it's very easy to get triggered 
when somebody talks about something being so easy that has caused so much struggle in their, your, our personal experience. And so here's the disclaimer for this one. Andrea's tissue's always been taken care of. It doesn't mean that she hasn't been through shit, right? I've watched no. her go through <laughs> shit. Obviously she's been through stuff that I have no idea about, right? What she's saying is her subconscious mind, her nervous system, her heart, she has programmed herself by focusing on the positives, by focusing on the love, by turning her attention and placing her awareness upon the things that she's grateful for, rather than dwelling on the mistakes, on the worries, on the doubts, on the fears, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So based on what we're born into and the experience we have, which you could call, you know, karmic cycles, depending on how into how the woo you, you are. you want to go? <laughs> but like, you know, we all have different propensities and inclinations. I'm not going to sit here as like a white cis male and be like, oh yeah, everybody's born equal with opportunities that are mm. all the same. Like, like mm. we're born into situations, like some people have it simpler than others, but that doesn't change the core concepts, right? The universal laws apply exactly the same to each of us. We get what we focus on, right? Yeah. Where our attention goes, our energy flows, these things are what expands. So if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking like, oh yeah, it's so easy for them. Mm -hmm. It's like they were able to do this. Maybe it was easier for us, yeah. right? But that does not mean that it's impossible for you. And as long as you put that wall in front of yourself, that's what you're perpetuating. So I, again, I'm not saying this to the haters. I'm saying this to the lovers. Like, please don't do that to yourself. <laughs> and how you said that I'm focusing on the positives. It's not only that, but I'm also bringing the awareness, you know, to my triggers. So I'm allowing myself to feel the pain because guys, I still have a lot of bad days. I still sometimes wake up and I feel so much pain and grief and all of it. I still have doubts with what I'm doing, with where I'm going, with everything. But I'm just not allowing that to create my experience. I'm allowing myself to feel it, to be aware of it, to work through it. And sometimes I'm like, where is this coming from? Maybe I have to go into my childhood. And that's painful. To connect with your inner child. I've done an exercise recently when I connected with my inner child and I just cried for probably a few hours because I was still feeling so much that abandonment one. So it's not that I'm only experiencing the joy and happiness and focusing on the positive, but I'm also doing the work meanwhile. And I think this is the, the power where my manifestations come through so fast. You're doing the work. Exactly. And the, and the <laughs> universe sees you doing it. <laughs> That's right. Because I am focusing on myself. I am prioritizing myself by selling it all and by not making it mean anything. And I would love for us to wrap it up now. What would you tell everyone right now that maybe it's going to, through grief, through loss, that it's going to a very hard transition in their life and they're like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. Why me? Why am I the one that's going through this? Well, from my own perspective, I just want to say thank you. You know, I touched briefly on, I didn't really shit it in much with a lot of people when I was young. And it wasn't until I, I really like came into this coaching space of all the spirituality and woo and healing and trauma and like all this kind of stuff when these became like the language that people were speaking that I really felt at home and I really felt accepted and I really felt loved and celebrated and safe 
But for me, like I would, I want to say thank you to you guys. And, you know, I think I speak for Andrea here too, because she was talking about, you know, she's in a similar position. So like, thank you guys for accepting us exactly yes, as we are. And if you're in this place right now where you're feeling this grief and this loss and depression, like reach out, reach out to me, reach out to Andrea, reach out to your friends, reach out to your family. Like, I guess the headline statement, the thesis statement that I'm making is like, you're not as alone as you feel. You're never as alone as you think that you are. And that's the same kind of, you know, I just spoke a little bit about walking around with a wall to put in front of yourself. That's like a cage that you're walking around with to keep yourself trapped in. And maybe you're not even walking around. Maybe you're staying in one place because you're so afraid to go anywhere else. But like, you're never as alone as you think you are. So like, please, 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 please use, even if you only have 5% of your whole strength that day, like use that 5% to drink some water, to tell yourself you love yourself and to reach out to somebody who cares about you and can remind you that you're not alone. So beautiful, so beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. And another reminder we that you are not alone. We are just not meant as humans to go alone through this experience, through challenging times. But I would say the opposite. One of the reasons we go through these turbulences, through these transitions, is to actually be able to connect more in depth with ourselves, but also with our community, with our friends, with our family. Because yes, hard times and challenging times do bring people more together if we allow it, if we open ourselves towards that because no one can force you to do anything this was such an amazing conversation thank you kevin for joining for being here and guys don't forget to follow kevin we love you we appreciate you and we believe in you thanks for tuning in to spiritual change makers podcast to stay connected and help us reach more people like you please subscribe follow and leave a comment Join our community of spiritual changemakers on social media to connect with like-minded individuals and continue the conversation. Remember, the power to create positive change is within you. Keep showing up as your best self and let's keep the magic of change alive. Until next time.